0: All right. Well, good morning. We're so glad you guys took some time to spend with us this morning. It is a beautiful day outside and summer is ending. Kids are going back to school. And now, as much as I love the teachers, it's their turn to deal with them for a little bit. And no, I'm just kidding. Uh, My wife's a teacher, so I would never really say that seriously. So appreciate your teachers, because they're awesome. So uh, (laughs) summer is ending, though. It's wrapping up. A lot of people getting in last-minute trips. And so if you're here in the room, we're glad you're here. If you're tuning in online... Or if you're listening to the podcast later, we're glad you guys are tuning in as well. If you're new to Journey, this is your first week, uh, or you haven't been in a while, make sure and stop by the Welcome Center. We're so glad you guys are here. We have a gift for you for coming just this one time. Uh, even if we never see you again, which we hope to see everybody again, uh, we're glad you're just here with us this week. We've already had a great first service. Continue on. Now, lots of stuff coming up uh, as kind of summer ends, In the summer church is traditionally kind of just kind of take it easy um, and kind of coast through the summer because we have a lot of people out still with trips and vacations and the lake and all that good stuff but in the fall it kind of ramps up so we got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, Fall Fest is coming up which is this huge fall festival we put on for the city of Shepherdsville and Bullitt County and that'll be on September 30th and so if you have a vendor or know a vendor we'll have food trucks inflates. Last year there were thousands and thousands of people that came um, and so we're hoping to have the same kind of event this year, just an offering to our city. Uh, small groups are getting ready to start, so if you're interested in small groups, we'd love to get you connected with those. A whole lot of stuff coming up uh, next week too. Uh, you guys have been having Rusty for the last eight weeks. Well, Nathan and Justy are back, and may- oh, they're right there. Yeah. <laughs> And so they are back, and so Nathan will be back to lead in worship uh, next Sunday, and so we're super excited they're back and made it safe and brought everybody with them, and so make sure and talk to them after the service, I'm sure they'd love to see you, Uh, and give Nathan a hug, Nathan loves hugs, he always tells people, yeah, he always tells people to hug me, so this is my one time I can, yeah, 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 so give him the hug. Give him a hug and pretend like you're hugging me and then don't talk about it again. So, all right. So, uh, we're super excited to have them back. Uh, Download the app. It's the best way to stay connected. All kinds of stuff coming up. It's free. Download it if you want to get connected. Now, we're continuing this joy series, and today we're going to kind of shift a little bit. Last week, as you guys, if you were here, notice we had a week of worship to kind of celebrate. Um, I heard some of you did not like it that much, and shame on you for not wanting to sing these Psalms, Um And so uh, we were I'm excited to be back this week, though, and sharing along. And today, in this joy, we're going to kind of talk about today specifically um, and what it means to have joy today and how that can sustain us for today. And we're going to dive into a whole lot of stuff. And so I'm going to talk a million miles an hour, so I hope you can keep up. And so, in the ancient story of Moses, which is one of these famous stories that kind of transcends, most of us know this, even if you've never grown up in church, even if you're not a Bible reader, you know somewhat kind of the details of the story of Moses, this famous figure. Throughout human history, not just in Christianity and Judaism, but throughout human history, this famous character. And early on in the story of Moses, there's this famous scene, um, and it's kind of an important one. Because in this scene, what we see is that Moses' life has not gone the way that he had hoped in fact, when we see the beginning of Moses' life, um, he it's kind of this chaotic kind of thing that happens. But eventually, he essentially gets brought into the Pharaoh's household. He's essentially treated like as the grandson of the Pharaoh, which the Pharaoh of Egypt at that point, if you're related to him or connected to him, he is the most powerful person in the world. And so you kind of have it made. And so everything looks like it's going to go well. And then through a series of choices and decisions that he makes and things that have to happen, All of a sudden, all of this stuff that Moses had kind of going for him, it all gets taken away. It gets stripped away. And so all of a sudden, he's living a very different life. And through a series of events where we find the story of Moses taking off is that he is a shepherd out in the desert. And he's been there for 40 years. So next time you think you've been waiting for life to get better, just think about 40 years in the desert because that's where he's been. And so he's out there and he's doing this. And just think about all of the promise that was kind of there, all of the potential that was there for his life. And now all of a sudden he's here. And it's not what he expected it to be. But then there's this kind of famous moment where one day he's walking up the mountain and all of a sudden he sees this burning bush. And it's kind of this famous part of the story where he sees this burning bush and the bush is burning, but it's not burning up. And all of a sudden he hears the voice of God come out of this bush and God speaks to him and it kind of freaks him out. It terrifies him as it should for any of us. And he hears him and God calls out to Moses and the Bible has this really simple kind of response. And Moses simply says, here I am. And it's like this moment where all of his life has led to this moment. And here is the moment where he's going to kind of step into the future that God has for him. And he realizes it's a holy moment. And so the scripture tells us that he takes his shoes off and he kind of bows down and he worships him. Because everything has led to this point, but everything is about to change for Moses in that one moment, in that one day. Now... What I want to do is talk to you about today because here's the reality of you and today and you've never thought about it like this, but here's the thing. See, right now you are here. You're sitting in a chair or watching at home or listening in the car later on the podcast or whatever it is. You are where you are right now. You are here. But What's fascinating, we don't think about this, is two hours ago you weren't here, were you? You were somewhere else, right? You were fighting with your kids, trying to get them ready for church, and telling them they're going to be good today or else, which you shouldn't threaten your kids with church. It's not a good thing. So, uh, but you were telling them, or maybe you were watching the Olympics and seeing if we could finally overtake China in the gold medal count, which we have, so go USA. And so, yeah. And so you were doing that, or you were doing, I don't know what you were doing, but you weren't here. You were somewhere else, okay? You were. And for some of you right now, um, here's what's reality, is you don't want to be here right? And I'm assuming most of us want to be here and that's a different category, but some of us don't want to be here. We were forced to be here. or We were told we have to be here. or Our spouse said we had to be here or we're here because we know it's good for our kids and we don't really want to be here. We'd rather be at the lake or on the golf course or wherever it is, but you're here and you'd like to be somewhere else, but you're not. And then some of you, if I was to look at you and say, five years ago, did you think you would be here on a Sunday morning sitting in a church? You would say, No. Some of you, if I would have asked you a year ago, six months ago, would you be here? You would say no. But yet, here you are. Now, when I say you're here, I am talking about you physically sitting in a chair or on your couch or in your car watching this later. Um, But what I'm really talking about is you are here in life. This is your life. And everything that's happened, just like Moses, has perfectly led up to you being here in this moment, where you are right now with you being you. Now, a lot of things in life has happened to lead you to this point, right? There's been a lot of choices made. You have made choices over the last several weeks, months, years, decades that have led up to you being who you are right now in this moment, in this room, in this chair. Now, some of us... It was choices that we didn't make. It was choices that people made for us or around us that have affected us. It was things that people did. You didn't get a vote on it. You didn't have a discussion about it. They did these things. And all of a sudden now, the, the, the consequences of those things kind of have fallen on you and helped shaped you into who you are. All of us in this room, if we're honest, we've made a lot of right turns and we've made a lot of wrong turns. There were stretches of the road where, if we're honest, we would say, this is where I thought I would be. And there's also stretches of the road that if we're honest, we'd say, this is not what I signed up for. This is not where I expected my life to be going. This is not the pattern of my life I expected to go. Some of us have patterns in life and seasons in life that if we're honest, it's things that nobody would ever sign up for, right? It's things that have happened to us, things we've had to experience that none of us would ever sign up for. But everything in your life from your birth all the way up until this moment where you find yourself right now in this chair has led to this being you. Everything that's happened to you, everything that's been done to you, everything you've done right or wrong is all perfectly come together to right now. Now, some of you, you might say, well, I don't want this to be my life, and, and we make excuses. We say, well, back in high school, this happened to me, or when I got out of school, the opportunities weren't there, I didn't take the right opportunities, or some of you might say, "When well, I met him or I met her, and then all of a sudden, it's changed parts of my life, or some of you might say, well, I never thought my life would be like this, if the circumstances had been different, if I'd been born to different parents, or I'd been in a different financial category or social economic category, or if I'd had the, the education that this person had, and you, you can make excuses all day long, and there's a lot of them, for why you are who you are and who you became. But at the end of the day, we ultimately have to come to the reality that this is who we are and this is how we got there. And we're here today. Now, what some of us do is we don't want this to be our life again, and so we create other lives. So we get on Facebook, right, and we create this alternate world that doesn't exist, right? Or we get on Instagram and take all of these photos through filters so people think that our lives are more glamorous than sometimes they are. Or some of you fantasize, you watch SportsCenter, and you come up with this stuff like, "Why well, that could have been me. It couldn't have, I promise you. Um <laughs> You know, that is not your life. You you think if I would have been born to these different circumstances. And what we do is we want other people's lives and don't want to deal with our life. But here's the sad reality for some of us. It doesn't matter how much you want somebody else's life. This is your life. And Let me get more specific about it for some of you when it comes to the idea of this being your life is for some of us in this room, it's the ultimate reality of this this is your marriage. See, for some of us years ago, six months ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we walked down an aisle, right, guys? We wore what we were told we had to wear. We, we, we went through all the stuff. We said the vows. We smiled. We ate cake. We had all of these ideas, right, of what marriage would look like. And now we're here, and this is your marriage. Or this is your family, Right. You don't get to choose your family, I understand that, but this is your family. These are your in-laws, these are your kids, this is your life. This is your body, right? Some of us, we don't like our bodies and we do things to our bodies and we, we abuse our bodies and then we try to get our bodies in better shape and all of these type of things and that's fine, but this is your body, this is your health, this is your life and this is how much money you have, this is how much debt you have, these are the hobbies you have, these are your habits, these are your addictions. This is it. And all of it has perfectly led to this moment today in this chair, you sitting there right now looking at me wishing I would go faster, right? Okay. Now you might be thinking, well, it sounds kind of negative or you're making life sound negative, And I'm not, I promise you. If you pay attention to anything I've said over the last 10 years, life is actually really good, right? I think sometimes the problem is we focus on the wrong stuff, but life for the most of us is actually pretty good. And some of us might be like, well, I'm in a good spot right now and all of that thing. But What some of us do, and there's a growing trend in this, is to try to escape our life. And so what we try to do is we try to escape our lives through many different avenues. Some of us turn to alcohol and more than an amount that should be congested or taken into our life. Some of us, we turn to drugs. Some of us turn to constantly trying to be busy, right? I think one of the things that that I've seen this past year is this past year caused a lot of us to slow down. So we had to spend more time at home and we couldn't be as busy. And what we're seeing is a lot of people starting to realize that they actually didn't like their life that much and they just kept busy all the time and so you can kind of mask it for a while. But now that we got to slow down and deal with some of the stuff that's actually going on, it became harder. For some of us, we have to constantly surround ourselves with people because we don't want to feel alone or isolated or we don't like the people we have to be around so we surround ourselves with other people so at least it makes us... Some of us, we try to escape through, I didn't bring my phone, but through our phones, we create, like I said, these alternate worlds. I mean, you ever see people that are just constantly on their phone and escaping the people they're actually in front of? Listen, I'm all about breaks. I mean, I I really am. You need to take time for yourself. You need to rest. You need a Sabbath. There's a lot of you that desperately need a nap, I promise, and, and you need that stuff. And those are healthy, but escaping your life is not healthy. And then there's this other alternative that's been created within the Christian world, and maybe you're familiar with this or not, it's called Christian escapism, and essentially the idea is that we become Christians and then we're just waiting to die, right? right? We're just waiting to go to heaven one day, and the world's going to burn, it's already burning, who cares, we're, we're going to be out of here one day, and so we escape reality of our life because we're saved, and one day we're going to fly away, and it's a great song, but that's not the whole point, right? Right? Maybe you've noticed this idea that, that Jesus, when he comes onto the scene, what he talks about is actually that, that God is inviting the kingdom here. So it's not about going somewhere one day. It's about what we can bring to here. That this place, this life, it matters, this world, this flesh and blood. And it's not about trying to escape. It's about trying to bring in something that's better in the way that God intended it to be. And so you are here. This is your life. This is your World And there's this bad thinking where we hear people say this, and I understand this sentiment, but they say, this is not my home. You ever anybody say that? And it's a great sentiment. It's just really bad theology because as we see the scripture, what we understand is we were created for this place. This world was created for us, and we were called to be stewards of this world. And so we are aliens and exiles in this world, not because we don't belong to this world, but because this world has become foreign to the thing that God originally created. And created. And this world matters. This country matters. This community matters. And your life matters. And today, what I want to talk about is that today matters. The moment you find yourself in right now, just like Moses, actually matters. Now, what's great about today, and the reason it matters, and what's so great about today, is today is not yesterday, right? And I don't know what yesterday was like, but yesterday may have been rough. Yesterday may have been bad. There may have been arguments yesterday. There may have been problems you faced yesterday. There may have been trials you faced yesterday. But the good news about today is today is not yesterday. So whatever yesterday was is now yesterday. What we want to focus on is now. See, one of the central ideas that come out of the scriptures, if you read them, is this, is that every single day we have a choice as the type of people we're becoming and what we're going to actually do with the day that's been given to us. We are here today. And yesterday, while it still matters and while we can learn from yesterday, is now gone. There's this beautiful idea that comes out of Christianity that many of you are familiar with, and it's the idea of grace. Now, grace has a lot of different ideas and understandings about it, but to simplify it for today, and we'll talk more in depth about it next week, is grace is a gift that's offered to us. To deal with the yesterday and all of the yesterdays before that one, but also to get us through today. It's a gift that we're given to sustain us through today. Another idea that comes out of scriptures is the idea of mercy that God gives us his grace and mercy and that it's offered to us every day. Early on in the biblical story in Lamentations, which is one of the wailing prophets, so he's the guy that whines and complains all the time, but he has this great line in Lamentations chapter three. He says this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning, which means that whatever was yesterday yesterday. And every day we wake up to new mercy and a new day being offered to us. And every day we're given the grace that we need to get us past yesterday and sustain us for today. Now, there's this great line that comes out of Jerry Bridges' book, and he says this. He says, "'Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace, and your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace.'" So what he's saying is that God gives us and makes available to us what we need for today. There's this Old Testament story. It deals with Moses again. It's a fascinating story, and it comes back to the idea of wandering in the desert again. And so what's happened in this story, and it's amazing, is from that moment where Moses has this calling, and here I am, and he's going to do what God wants him to do, and there's some kind of fighting between him and God, and eventually he lines up with what God wants him to do, and part of this amazing story is that God is going to rescue his people, Now, the beginning of the book of Exodus, the writer starts with this amazing line. And this this story starts with that God hears the cry of his people, which means that he hears what they're saying to him, which for some of us should be just enough to know that God actually hears us. But God doesn't just hear them. He actually chooses to rescue them. And so we find in this story is there's this amazing rescue mission that's going to be taken underway, and and these people are going to be given a new freedom, a new identity, a new possibility, See, one of the things I think that we misunderstand about the Old Testament sometimes is there's pictures that are being painted that not only deal with the people and what they're going through now, but it's also a foreshadowing of what God's going to offer and continue to offer even us today. So it's people who are trapped in this place where there doesn't seem to be a lot of hope and God hears them and he comes in and rescues them and gives them a new possibility. Sound familiar? But just like any story of new life and new possibility, there are some hang-ups. So what the writer tells us, this is an important detail, is that for 400 years, the Israelites have been slaves. Many generations of people. So for 400 years, they have been slaves. They have been told what gods to worship and how to worship them and what to eat and what not to eat and when they're going to be able to eat and when they're going to work and what they're going to do and what they're going to wear. They've been told everything. They haven't had a lot of choices to make. For many generations, they've been in this old way of thinking of doing life. And so all of a sudden, they're given freedom. And the problem sometimes when you give people freedom, especially after a long time of thinking a certain way and living a certain type of life, there's often the temptation to turn back to the old way, right? For 400 years, this has been all they've known. They have been shaped culturally by this understanding, and so when God rescues them, what God realizes is, okay, we've got people that have never thought for themselves and never understood how to worship me or how to even get along with each other. And so God comes along and he gives them some new ideas. We refer to them as commands. There's 10 of them. They're pretty famous if you've been around the church, and we like to quote them a lot, and they are really important. But these commands, when we look at the context of what's going on, they're actually a guide. They're a guide for how people who have not been able to be in community and culture with each other, who have not been able to be in community with God, it's how they relate to him and how they relate to each other. It's a guide for what it is to be a citizen because these are people that have been slaves and so it's hand to mouth and you steal something if it's available and you take what you can to survive and you've been told how you embrace God and what God is like and all of a sudden God wants to open them up to a new day. And so what happens is even with all that freedom that they're given and all that opportunity, they mess up because all of us do, right? It's just be a part of being human. And so all of a sudden they're wandering in the desert trying to get where they need to be, where God wants them to be. But what's amazing about this is is I don't want to focus on the Ten Commandments. I want to focus on what happens before. See, there's this amazing detail that we often misunderstand when it comes to God and his mercy and his grace, See, we think that the idea is that if we do this, then God will do this. But before the conversation of you do these things ever even comes up, in Exodus chapter 16, there's this amazing thing that happens. I'm going to paraphrase part of it because we don't have time, but I encourage you to read the whole chapter. Now, this is four chapters or roughly around 10 to 15 years, um, some estimate, before we even get into the the commandment thing, but take the time to read it. But essentially, the people are complaining. And the reason they're complaining is because they're missing their old life, okay? And the reason they're missing their old life is they're misremembering what it was like. You ever met somebody that all of a sudden has a new opportunity, but yet they want to go back to the old way because they misremember how bad it actually was? So this is what's going on with the people. And so in Exodus chapter 16, we'll do this one little insert. It says this, it said, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, like that whole freedom thing was awesome, but really, if he just killed us, that'd be much better, okay? <laughs> there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the breads we wanted, but now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Huh. The interesting thing about this statement is if you actually study it, um, it's not true. They didn't sit around with pots of endless meat. This wasn't Orion's for them, you know, buffet. This was, this was a hand to mouth culture. This was a struggling culture. They, they are wailing to God at the beginning of the story because of how they've been treated. And now all of a sudden, God brings them out, and all they can think about is this old life. See, their today was hard, and so they misremember what happened yesterday. And all of a sudden, yesterday kind of changes a little bit. Anybody that's ever done that? And so God, he steps into the story and he says, okay, well, if the problem is you feel like you're starving and your needs aren't being met, well, I'm going to go ahead and meet your needs. And so there's this amazing story, and maybe you're familiar with this, where God sets up this idea. And what's going to happen is, is that every day the, these quail, which are birds, are going to fly into the camp and they're going to be able to trap them and they'll have meat. And then every morning that they're going to wake up, there's going to be this manna that forms on the ground. Now, before you want to dismiss all of the stories of the Bible, because some of us are tempted to, what you actually need to know is that manna is actually a naturally forming thing. In parts of the world. It's not bread like we think of it, but it's actually where these two minerals come together and create this sweet kind of like foam thing or whatever. Science is awesome. And so they actually form in different parts of the world. So every day, these people that are complaining, God wants to meet them and give them what they need to sustain them for that day. And so every day they wake up and all of a sudden there's manna and quail within the camp. Every day they wake up and chicken and biscuits are just there, Right. <laughs> They didn't get any honey mustard, but they got the rest. Now, what's fascinating about the story of manna and quail is this. God tells them, he says, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to give this to you, but here's what you have to know. I'm only going to give you enough for each day. And so here's what you got to know is see, you can collect a bunch of it more than you need, okay? But but if you think that what happened yesterday is going to sustain you for today, It's not. And the story tells us that they would get greedy and they'd collect a bunch and they would say, okay, we got all this food, so tomorrow we won't have to deal with it or you know, the new today want to deal with it. And he says, no, 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 listen, listen, whatever you collected tomorrow is, 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 or yesterday is yesterday. What you need to know is I'm going to give you enough for today. And if you try to collect a whole bunch and hoard onto it so you don't have to go out tomorrow, he goes, no, it doesn't work like that. I'll give you what you need tomorrow, tomorrow. All I'm going to give you is what you need tomorrow. Today, whatever happened yesterday, whatever you collected yesterday, it's no longer going to be good because it's going to be a new day. And they were given what they needed for that day. It's almost as if God is speaking beyond the story, that God is communicating that he's willing to give the gift that we need each day if we would only see it and take it. Dwight Moody once said this. He said, A man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough today to last him for the next six months. Nor can he inhale sufficient air into his lungs with one breath to sustain life for a week to come. We are permitted to draw upon God's store of grace from day to day as we need it. Or, as Jesus once famously said, give us today our daily. Give us what we need for today. Yesterday is yesterday, and tomorrow will be tomorrow. But give us what we need today. The beauty of the story of Moses is it becomes this idea that God's presence is close, that he's not far away, he's not aloof to what's going on, that he actually will draw close to us and give us what we need if we're willing to embrace it. The beauty of the story of the Jesus is that the Jesus steps down into humanity. He takes on flesh and blood, God incarnate into our world, into our lives. Now, what's fascinating about the story of Jesus is when Jesus steps into the world, it's not a world much different than ours. Now, technology has changed and we've advanced as cultures and civilizations, but people are still people. And a lot of the things that they were dealing with are still some of the same things that, that we are dealing with, Right? It's people who had hopes and dreams and expectations for their life, and all of a sudden, choices are made, and choices are made for them that shapes their life, and and this talk I gave at the beginning about how you have perfectly been led up to the moment where you are right now, the same could have been said of them. Somebody took something from them, somebody broke a promise, somebody died in their life that's affected them, and Jesus steps down into this world with people who are struggling, People who are trying to become the best virgins of themselves, hopefully, but there's all kinds of things going on. And the Bible is very specific in describing the people that actually show up to hear Jesus. It's people whose bodies were broken. They couldn't see. They couldn't walk. They had disease in their body. Some of them, it says, literally had demons within them. They were being held captive by bad choices made by them or choices that people had made for them that they had to deal with. There were people who were convinced because of so many mistakes in their life that they didn't have much to offer, that they'd gone too far off the rails, that they didn't have anything to offer, they were bankrupt. People who were in mourning because of the pain and heartache in their life. People who were hungry and thirsty physically and spiritually. People who were messed up and screwed up and their lives were a mess. These are the people that he embraces. But at the end of the day... Jesus looks at these same people, like me and you, and he says, okay, do you want to get well? Do you want to be better? And Jesus he has this interesting thing when he talks to people, and there's this famous collection of teachings, and in Matthew chapter 4, very early on in the ministry, he's speaking to them, and he says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, and he says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, again, let me tell you, the kingdom of heaven is what God is doing in this world. That's what it's referred to. And he says, it's not far away. It's near. It's here. It's something that we can grab onto. It's this unrestricted, all-access pass into God's presence, that God's power can be in your life. It's near. It's close. And just like Moses who experienced it and it changed everything, because of Jesus, there's nothing to keep it out of people's lives. He offers this idea that the presence of God is able to come into your life. And I love what Dallas Willard says. It's like the air that you breathe. It's what he's offering. Now, the problem with this is that for some of us, we look at our lives and we say things like, well, that just seems impossible. It seems impossible that God could come into my life. And, and all of the things that have happened and all of the ways it hasn't turned out the way that we Hoped, and it seems impossible that, that this could happen. It seems impossible there could be this change that changes everything. It seems impossible that God would give me all the mercy and grace that I need. And in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is talking about this idea of what it means to be a citizen of this kingdom that he's coming to usher in. And there's confusion by people. And, and so Jesus looks at them. And in Matthew 19, 26, he has this simple line. And he says, with man. And what he means by that is this. And it applies as much to them as it does to us today. What he sees is on your own. So here's the thing. We all have lives that maybe aren't the best version of ourselves we could become. And and on our own, you can try really, really hard. You can go to counseling, you can read some books, you can go to therapy. And some of you, you need all of those things desperately. I promise you, okay? They're good things. And you could try really hard to fix your life. And you should. But here's the thing on your own, see, here's what I know about every single person in this room if you could fix your life on your own, you already would have, wouldn't you have? But you can't. So Jesus, he says in verse 26, Jesus looked at them, these hurting people, and he says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible, which means what was impossible yesterday is now possible today. Today. The power of God has come into their life, and what seemed impossible last week is now possible today, because the kingdom of God is near. Now, I have to let you in on a secret. A minute ago, I read a verse, and it was talking about that the kingdom of heaven has come, but I left out one specific word, and it's the word repent. Now, if you've grown up in church, this is a word that we have used and abused, and probably the last time you heard it was some guy that was overweight with a red face, screaming, sweating, pounding on the pulpit, telling you to repent, or you were going to burn in hell, which we can talk about that later. But here's the thing. The word repent, um, it's interesting because we've abused it and we've used it to the point where it comes off so negative, but it's actually such a beautiful thing. So here's what repent actually means. Repent means that you need to rethink what you're doing. It's that simple. So for example, if you look at your life, and let's be honest, if we were to map out our life and we were to say everything that we've done and every choice we've made to lead us to where we are right now, whether you're a Christian or not, let's be honest, are you really the best version of yourself you could have become? I don't know. Maybe. My wife is, but everybody else, I don't know, right? <laughs> so here's the thing. We, we, we aren't. And repentance is the idea that, that, listen, you're going down a path and all of a sudden you realize that the path that you're on isn't leading you to what you want to be or who you want to be. And the Bible tells us only a fool would continue going down that path. Repentance is simply turning and deciding that this thing that you were going down, this path you were going down, isn't working. And so all repentance is, is the idea of turning from the thing that isn't working and turning towards something that will work. In other words, all it's offering is this idea that you might want to rethink how your life is going. And if you're trying to escape your life, it's not going to work. But what Jesus says is if we repent, which means this idea that if we turn from the path that we're on, and we embrace this idea of mercy and grace that God gives us every single day, and we step back on the right path, that things can actually change. The relationships can be restored, that the dead can come back to life, and it's this idea of Repenting. This idea of, of this idea that, that it doesn't have to be the way it's always been. Listen, yesterday is yesterday. Today is full of new possibility. See, the reality is there is no magic bullet and there is nothing you can do to get your last 20 years back. It doesn't exist. And what happened yesterday and the yesterday before that and the yesterday before that, there is nothing we can do to change that. But we do have a choice of what today is going to look like. And we do have a choice tomorrow when we wake up, when it becomes today, what it may look like. So here's the question. When you get up here in a few minutes and you stand up and you leave that chair and you can give all the excuses and all the reasons as to how you got here and all of these things, but here's the thing. Nothing changes in our life from this chair on. Until we recognize and realize who we are and how we got here. And maybe, just maybe, if we learn to trust in God and to believe that his grace and mercy is enough to sustain us for today. And for us to have the humility to say, you know what? Maybe I haven't always made the right choices. Maybe there is something to this repentance thing. And maybe there's parts of my life that I should rethink. To believe that God will give us the grace and the mercy to sustain us for today and lead us into tomorrow. See, some of you, you've been told that you don't have worth, you don't have value because of the choices that you've made, but see, that is yesterday. God doesn't talk about yesterday. He talks about today and tomorrow. You have value, you have worth, you've made mistakes, but it doesn't have to be your future. So the million-dollar question for all of us is, do you believe this? Do you believe what Jesus says is right and true and that he has something better for you? And do you believe that gift has been offered to you through the grace that we receive every single day and the mercy that he presents to us every single morning if we start life anew? See, see, I think that some of us, we want to believe that, but I think that's where most Christians stop, is the idea that we want that, but we don't want to do anything about it. And and, and we want to believe that that, that things can change, but we don't want to do anything to actually make them change. See, maybe what we need to do is start to embrace every single day the gift that's been given to us, the gift of life, the gift of breath, the gift of family, the gift of grace. See, what's fascinating to me is that God was willing to provide the manna every single day, but they had to go get it, and they had to gather it, and they had to collect it, and they had to take what he was giving. They had to do it every single day. See, I believe more now than ever, we have choices every day as the type of people that we're becoming. And so there's grace and mercy for every day and there's repentance, the idea of turning towards we need to be. Maybe this, just like Moses all those years ago, is a moment where you realize this is a holy moment. You say, just like he did, here I am. It's not what I was doing yesterday, it's what's today gonna offer. See, the beauty of today is it's not yesterday. But it's also not tomorrow, it's today. Tomorrow will eventually become the day, and Jesus tells us it has enough worries of its own, so just live today. But I know for some of you that's not comforting because you still worry about tomorrow, don't you? The good news is the promise that we're given is that God is good and you are loved. And we'll have to talk more about that next week. Let's pray.